Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Tony Poo, and this is episode 333. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacey. That is at StaceyPan89 on Twitter. Stacey, how are you doing on this uh, gloomy Tuesday morning? It's a victory Tuesday for me, but uh, yeah, a little, uh, little bummed out at the weather. Yes, uh, the weather, not great, but... Nobody's here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about the Knicks, and we will do that. But before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram, posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has merchandise available to purchase on our website. I'm wearing something right now, a Quicklin sweatshirt. You can find that on our website, www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise to, to buy merchandise, uh, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, Coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you've not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pot Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas and Miko. That comes out every other week. You also get access to... The Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. You also get access to now Strictly NFL, our NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Kim, Jeffrey Rasmussen, sorry. Uh, you can follow both them on Twitter as well. It's a great show. They're all further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, it's going to be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code, believe, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um... All right, I guess we'll look. There's one piece of current next news that uh, occurred yesterday, and uh, that is announced as the Knicks senior vice president of basketball operations. Um, he had been a consultant for a long time with the team, and this isn't really a huge surprise uh but it is official now and uh we know what his title is i don't really have any strong thoughts about this i, I mean I, look i think it's worth saying like he was um 
effectively removed from his position as bas- president of basketball operations in Minnesota uh, because of an inappropriate relationship he had with a coworker um, in the workplace. And, uh, no, obviously that's not a great look. Uh, but he, um, you know, has been with the team now for over a year. Allegedly, he was the one making the phone calls last summer uh, regarding the Donovan Mitchell trade. I don't know. I don't really think this matters as far as like anything, you know, how the Knicks are going to operate right now. Cause it feels like they've been operating with him in the fold for a while. Um, and I guess technically in the hierarchy now, he is just below both Leon Rose and um, worldwide West, but kind of felt like that anyway. And uh, you know, I know there'll be people that are like, well, why didn't Brock Holler get this job? I'm not entirely sure Brock Holler wants a job beyond what he's in. Uh, it seems pretty good at it. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he was, uh, you know, kind of like passed over for this. Um, Do you think you it's know, like succession? Like, like, no, like Fredo. I was passed <laughs> over, Mike. <laughs> You're my kid brother. You take care of me. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think this is that big of a deal, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the inappropriate relationship with the coworker, obviously, um, especially in light and some of the things that have happened, obviously, some time ago. And MSG is, is not the greatest look. But um, in terms of the title and the hierarchy, look, we know that, yeah, World Wide West is technically the, the ranking guy. But we know that this is, Leon Rose has always made kind of his decisions by committee, right? Um, you know, people have criticized it, um, or, or, you know, there was that long piece, I'm not saying, uh, Weitzman was criticizing it, but you're on Weitzman wrote a long piece about, you know, during the draft. Um, so he has, you know, Leon Rose for all his lack of experience of coming into this job as like a basketball guy, quote unquote. Uh, you know, he has his agency background and he, we know that he likes to take opinions from different places and he has a diverse set of opinions in that room, right? He's got, Aller, kind of the cap guy, probably a little bit more, maybe a little bit more analytics friendly. He's got Perrin for scouting. Um, you know, he's got another basketball guy, Alec Rosas, and he's got you know, World Wide West. Uh, and so we know he's kind of, what his skill seems to be is weighing these, these opinions together and kind of building that meta mental model in his head um, to make these decisions. So I don't know that it really is going to affect any of the decision making. Um, you know, Rosas may have wanted a title um, you know, for perhaps future opportunities. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that should upset the ecosystem. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, uh, don't think there's a whole lot to take away here. Yeah, um, I think it would be different, obviously, if this was a new name. Um, and I guess, I mean, no, I don't really know how much this matters because I think. You know, I've talked to Seth about this before, but like job titles are just job titles. Like they don't like there's an idea of like, oh, well, the Knicks haven't replaced uh, Scott Perry as general manager. Right. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Like what what was well, Scott they have Perry doing, to the general manager? Yes. Yes. Um, but like we don't I don't know what I don't know if the job title is a clear indication of like what somebody what would is you actually- say? you do here. Right? <laughs> yeah. Scott Perry probably did nothing. Um, especially not after the first off season. But like I, I don't know what any of these job titles mean as far as delineation of 
duties, front office tasks and all that stuff. Um, so like, yeah, maybe in terms of the kind of title given to Rosas, he is third in command. But for all we know, um, you know, his duties might not be as widespread as somebody like Brock Oller or whoever else, you know, um, I, I just don't know exactly what the delineation is. So, um, you know, like, so do the Knicks need to, re they still need to replace Scott Perry's general manager? I don't know. I, for all we know, they could be leaving that title open to like give somebody a promotion, right? Like a title bump. Um, like, oh, Brock Oller, you're general manager now, even though all of your duties are the same. Um, so, and here's a few extra hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Um, which, look, if they want to hire me for that, I would do that. Um, I'll, I'll gladly do the Scott Perry, just tweet out random bullshit every morning role. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. To me, this is kind of like a nothing burger. And... Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Leon, Leon yeah. calls the shots. Rosas may have been making the phone calls last year. We know how this decision making works, right? It's it's more of a committee. Um, I do think, yeah, you know, let's say a team, you know, calls Brock Aller tomorrow and say, "Hey, we'll offer you GM." Right? It'd be nice to have that title in the back pocket and say, "Hey, we can match that," right? And and make sure you're yeah. taken care of here, or well, whether it's Aller or Perrin or whatever, right? So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, as far as things that um, are more relevant, uh, the Knicks, uh, you know, uh, we can say this. They have, you know, now Begley has reported this and Fred Katz had it in his piece yesterday that um, there's optimism that they will come to an extension agreement with Emmanuel quickly. What that looks like, I don't know. Um, you know, 480, 490, 400, I have no idea what the numbers are. Um, but I think having two beat reporters uh, talking about, or at least reporting that there's optimism sides will come to an agreement means something. And, you know, look, I expect that to happen. I feel pretty confident. I've felt pretty confident the entire offseason. And, like, you know, there's an idea of, like, well, to extend him, it'll be hard to, to include him in a, tr a trade for a star or superstar in the season. And it's like, look, I don't think we can put names to this now, right? Like, I don't think Giannis or Joel Embiid is getting traded during the season. And that's clearly the guys that I think if the Knicks are in the market for stars, those are the two guys that I think they're actually in the market for. We know that they're not in the market for Dame. I don't know what other name is even out there uh, that, or could be out there. Um, so mean, next summer it could be Donald Mitchell again, right? Right. And by the next summer, so even if, if you extend him by next summer, then he just counts as a normal salary. So it's not like, really an it's not an issue and i don't think like, like even donovan mitchell right I, I don't see donovan mitchell getting traded in the season um so like to me that's kind of like a stupid thing to worry about and um you know like well i mean i i guess we could say this like obviously the damian lillard thing is hanging out there and there's been a lot of smoke lately about like oh maybe he'll go to toronto there's been some other insinuations that like if he does go to Toronto, maybe OG Ananobi is an outgoing piece and Fisher had this in his piece yesterday. And I, I want to be, or not yesterday, last week, last Friday, or maybe it was Saturday, whatever it was. Uh, I want to be clear about this because he was not reporting. It was clearly speculative, but he, you know, speculated uh, about the Knicks long-term interest in OG Ananobi. 
and so there is a school of thought that hey, like if that if OG goes out in a Dame trade and then Portland doesn't really want to keep him because they'd rather get assets and, and kind of push their timeline out a bit. Also, like look, they don't they probably don't want to pay OG next summer or whatever the hell he's going to get paid, especially since they paid Jeremy Grant, who they probably will trade at some point soon, um, like <laughs> some point this year. But like, I mean, do you would you not? It, I well, okay, one. Forget you uh, personally, but like if you're the Knicks front office and you are long-term admirers of OG and Obi, do you think that that would play into your decision in terms of extending quickly or not? Or um, or do you think that like their interest in OG and Obi is not really relevant to the decision? Because that's kind of how I feel where like there's this idea of like use quickly to get OG and I'm like, Okay, I get that, but what you're effectively doing then is like one of RJ or Grimes is getting benched. And let's be realistic, it'll be Grimes. And to me, that like that just doesn't seem like how they've operated. To me, they've operated in the last couple of years as like these are direct like when they let Alfred Payton and let Reggie Bullock go, they brought in Kemba Walker and they brought in Evan Fournier. So those were like very direct replacements. Obviously, a year later, that did not work out. They took Kemba Walker was gone. They replaced him with Jalen Brunson, right? Um, Alec Burks was gone, and he was effectively replaced eventually by Josh Hart off the bench. Um, like they have, and you know, I, I, the, the weirdest one they've done now this summer is like Obi goes, DiVincenzo comes in. I think we kind of understand why they're doing that. But like to me, if the logic is like trade quickly to get OG, that that just doesn't seem to be how they've operated and would be kind of surprising to me. Like I don't particularly want, I don't want OG and OB because I think he's just going to cost a lot in terms of assets. And I don't really want to be on the hook for his next contract because to me, he's a major injury risk and I'm just not really sold on like how good he is. Um, but like to me, if they're getting OG and OB, it would be RJ Barrett that would be going out in a trade like that and effectively being replaced in the starting lineup by him. So I don't know. That's kind of like how I view it. And really, like, again, I don't want to try. I'd rather just hold on to RJ um, for right now. And I also would, I think quickly is a better player than OG. I'm going to be flat out and just say that. Like, I think he's a better player. You can tell me that we have a bigger need for what OG is. And I, get that i i don't totally agree but i do understand that but like i don't know i i would not i, I i'm not really uh too excited to get into the og and an ob business um um yeah i i think uh, well i think you've made your your your, uh, your feelings there clear uh, i would agree i i don't think from a value perspective i think if you're trading quickly um at this point for a guy like you, you have to be pretty confident that puts you over the top. Certainly with RJ. Um, I wouldn't trade RJ for OG and Anobi at this point. Um, at, is he a better player today? There's a, there's a case for that, right? OG. Uh, well, I, I think that on this team, there's an argument. Um, there's also the probably, financial consideration of like RJ for whatever, you know, how, I mean, we both been critical of him. A lot of people have been, that contract is locked in, right? It's for one Oh seven. OG Ananobi's getting paid next summer, and that contract's going to be more... Yeah, it's going to be much higher than that. And, like, 
the Knicks are now in a position where they do need to worry about like, you know, the first apron, the second apron, all that stuff. And like, to me, I'm not interested in worrying about that shit for OG and an OB. Like, I'm just not. Like, I, he's not somebody I'm like, well, if we have to go into the push into the second apron for OG and like, look, you just got to do it. Like, no, you don't fucking got to do it. Like, you can definitely not fucking do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, with OG, so you have to be confident it puts you over the top. Or, and, and in fairness, we have talked a lot about, you know, we've been said, could this team win 60 games on this, on this pod? Um, so it's, it's, you'd have to be confident that it puts you over the top. Do I think, you know, for all of the people want more minutes and, you know, quickly is, is the only real backup point guard, uh, guy who's shown the ability to run the bench, right? You can say, well, RJ can babysit the bench. I, I, I think Dante DiVincenzo is a really good player. I don't think being that, you know, being, giving what quickly gives in terms of running the offense, in terms of shot creation is really his forte. You'd really like him a little bit more off ball. Um, so I think you, you end up creating a hole there. Um, and yeah, one, it, so, and I think the, the starting lineup spacing, I mean, OG becomes the second best shooter in that lineup. I don't think that's pretty, it's very ideal. If you send out RJ, to your point, there's the financial considerations. And yeah, so you get a, a, an upgrade in shooting. I'm not going to, like, OG is a more reliable shooter and obviously a very impactful defender. Um, but you're going to create other issues, right? Um, you're going to create, you know, you're going to create issues of, and start um, with the starting lineup in terms of spacing, which, you know, is a great offense last year. Maybe you have some leeway in the regular season, but we saw what happened in the playoffs. Does he help you get out of some of that stagnancy? I'd probably like a, a, a piece there that was a little bit more of a connector next to, uh, especially if we're going forward with Brunson and Randall. Um, and I, but I think the question you have to ask is, does this put you over the top? I don't know that defense was necessarily the problem last year. Maybe if you face a team like Milwaukee a little bit, having multiple bodies to throw at Giannis, the switchability helps. Um, and, you know, he, he can knock down open threes. But we saw RJ was pretty solid. You know, he, he shot 32% from three in the playoffs, but uh, he's still young and improving, you know. So you'd really have to feel like, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's clear that at age 25, 26, RJ won't be as good as OG. I think there's there's a lot of potential for him to be better. Uh, so you're punting on that, or with quickly for that matter. Um, if you're punting on that, you're saying this is the team that can contend. Uh, and we're pushing our chips in. And to your point, I don't think OG's the guy to do that for. Uh, especially since if you get rid of R- RJ or quickly, you're creating another hole. Quickly, you're creating a hole on the bench. Um, and with RJ, you're you're losing some shot creation as well. Like it, even if you know if you got OG, you'd really have to. And they kept on not staggering with with uh, Brunson and Randall. And you can say Tibbs will play them 48 minutes, but you know you need some kind of bench creation. Um, and unless they're willing to stagger, you're losing that. Um, and, and even staggering is going to come with issues in terms of playing those guys a lot of minutes. So, um, you know, if it, I guess the question I would have for you is, would you do it for Grimes even Grimes and then, you know, Forney and whatever to, to salary match? Um, no, like I don't, I don't have the numbers. I don't have the stats, whatever, but like my gut feeling is that Grimes has way more value as a spacer than OG. Um, and that role is going to be what that role is. And so in that capacity, like, no, I'm sorry, give me Grimes. Um, we also saw Grimes. I mean, he played some amazing defense on Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. So like, 
I understand the need for like, oh, big wing defender. And I know Jimmy's not exactly like the biggest wing out there. Uh, but to me, when you start getting that hyper specific about like some player archetype you need, I, I don't know that that it feels like you're just that, that I don't I don't really like the concept of that because you're getting into a position where you're starting to value like a specific physical tools over the actual skill level of the players involved, and that's not to say like sorry go ahead go ahead no I was just gonna say it's not like I'm not that's not to say like OG is some zero player like he's average you know. 17 18 points per game. He shoots a pretty decent clip from 3. Um but like Elite defender, yeah. Yeah, but but you're also this is a guy who reportedly wants more usage and I would I would guess and he rightfully uh believes this, I'm sure, is the reason he would like more usage is because he's in a contract here. Uh if you look through the course of NBA history, uh points per game Unfortunately, even in this very uh, advanced analytical era we're in, points per game often lead to uh, bigger contract numbers, especially if you're not Kelly Oubre. Um, so, like, I get that. Like, I get that for him personally. You know, I, I totally understand that. And you've got, we've got to remember, he's won a championship. I mean, I know he wouldn't play in the playoffs, but like, he's been on a championship team. He has a ring. He's not somebody who I think is too uh, focused on his legacy in the history of, N- of the NBA, but like is fucking focused on getting paid. So I get why he wants usage and why that's a prior, probably a priority for him right now. That just is a reason for me even more so that like, say what you want about RJ on his usage, but like RJ is just way more capable with the ball in his hands. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about his handle isn't that great. And, you know, he's not that efficient at the rim, blah, blah, blah. The guy gets to the rim a lot. He gets into the paint a lot. OG has never shown that ability despite his size. And he's been pretty fucking bad as a shot, like in terms of his efficiency when he has to put the ball on the floor. So if that's, if you're effectively like taking out RJ or Grimes, even like, let's say you're taking out Grimes, like that's the hypothetical you asked me. Okay. Well, where's OG's usage coming from? And why would he be happy with that? And are we now certain that we want to pay him 30 plus million a year to be? Quentin Grimes like I don't really get that I I think that you're cashing in valuable assets for a guy who if he's replacing Grimes I flat out do not think you're moving the needle very much like I don't even know if that team is better I don't think they are better I'll say that I think they're worse um and 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 like we haven't ever seen what Grimes can do like like I don't know to, like I'm not really interested in punting on what Grimes could be because I think what he already is is really good and really valuable and it'd be different if this was like a guy who had just shown some flashes but wasn't actually a good player right now like Quentin Grimes is already a good player and he's 22 like he's a good solid NBA player I think he's a starting two guard on a contending team like he can play that role. I mean, is it would it shock you if Quentin Grimes went on to have a career similar to like say KCP? That wouldn't shock me at all. I, I think that's like Danny Green, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. Like that's another guy. Like it would not surprise me at all for him to do that. And 
I'm, I'm like, and I think that's kind of, I don't want to say that's the baseline for him because that's a pretty fucking high baseline, but like that is kind of the way he's trending. And we, I'm not, I'm not going to shut off the possibility of him being more, more than that. Um, and so, like, I wouldn't, I would not trade Quentin Grimes for OG Ananobi. I really, like, again, I, I'm just the worst person to ask about this because, like, I just wouldn't trade for OG Ananobi. And, um, you know, look, like, I, I will say one thing is, like, if you wanted to make the argument and you don't care about moving Grimes to the bench to accommodate OG, um, then sure, yeah, like, you can trade quickly out and, and that makes sense. I still think then that you need to make another move to get a backup point guard because to me, DiVincenzo is not a backup point guard and Deuce McBride, who I like, has not shown the ball handling ability at all to play that and, and play that role effectively, especially not for a Tibbs team where like your point guard needs to be somebody who's capable of putting the ball on the floor, getting into the paint, creating shots for himself. And Deuce hasn't shown that at all. And quite frankly, DiVincenzo hasn't really shown that at all either. So like, you would need to still make another move to address that. Like now, is there a world where like, yeah, you can get OG for quickly and then you trade for like, let's say Cole Anthony. Is that better? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it Cole is. Cole Anthony like, himself is going to be, want to get paid too, right? He's the same draft right. class. Just, right. So, and I just and think, then he's, yeah. if he's only the backup point guard, like. Yeah. It just, it just feels like you're accelerating salary, salary onto your cap sheet without really the needle. Like I, I, yeah, I just don't think that you're moving up the Eastern Conference that much with these series of moves. And honestly, I can see a world where you're worse off because you've now effectively moved around like three different pieces, right? Like you're replacing Grimes in the starting lineup, so Grimes is now moving to a different role off the bench. And then you took out quickly and you put in Cole Anthony, who I think is actually like a good player. I don't think he's as good as Quick. I think he's a good player, um, but now you're having him be the guy off the bench and. Like there are things that we already know about this team because these guys. And he's going to cost right? too, right? Cole Anthony right. will probably cost you at least the first. So. Yeah, he had a really nice season last year. I don't. I, I yeah. don't think people will understand. Like he, he finished like fifty-seven true shooting. Like he, he was good last year. Um, but like we, we don't know. For example, we know that quickly can play with Brunson. We know that quickly can play with Grimes. You know, quickly plays well with everybody on this roster currently, right? We don't know that if we get Cole Anthony. Okay, now we have Cole Anthony in place of quick. Can Cole Anthony provide the same lineup flexibility and, and, and value in the combinations that, that we got out of quickly? I think he is a comparable player, uh, certainly on offense. I think offensively, there might even be some things he does better than quickly. Um, and I think on defense, he's probably, I don't want to say underrated, but he's a pretty good point of attack defender. Does he give you some of the flexibility with, to guard the two? I don't know. He's pretty strong. Um, but there's, there's a, you know, he doesn't have quickly's length. He does um, rebound well for a guard. Yeah, I think he does, he's a solid player. I think that in a vacuum, if we did have to replace quickly with someone, he'd be at the top of my list. Um, so I, does he, is he going to have the outlier impact that quickly has, you know, off ball on defense? Maybe not, but I don't think he's a bad off ball defender. Um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of young, I think he's actually pretty good at screen navigation, particularly for someone his size. Um, but to your point, it's a, he's going to want to get paid too, right? Um, and so you're now still looking at either re-signing OG or basically eating that. Um, the other thing, so just for, for reference, I, I will say I don't want to understate that OG would be an upgrade in terms of a shooter. 
uh, compared to some of the other wings on the roster. So not Grimes, but uh, you know he shot um, 39% from three in uh, three of the last four seasons. He shot above 36 in all of them. And the last three seasons, he's had about six attempts per game. Uh, however, I will say he hasn't he's hasn't played more than 70 games since his rookie year. Um, he's had two of the last three seasons. He's played below 50 games. So you're you now you know he does have the injury history. So you know you're now throwing that into the equation. Uh, you know, perhaps you know he's over all of that, and, and you know he did play 67 games last year. But um, but that's another thing you're adding to the equation. Let me. This is kind of maybe some 3D chess here. But do you think this factors in at all? Because here's the thing. I think we've all said that, you know, I think you and I would put the Knicks probably somewhere between third and fifth in the conference where they're going to finish. Um, and certainly a contender in, in what looks like a pretty wide open East. That window narrows, for, to, to say the least, if Miami is able to get Dame. So if you're able to steer Dame away from Miami, you know, does that play into the equation at all for you? If Miami is able to get Dame, no. So if 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 helping Toronto get Dame by trading for OG, oh, I wouldn't care. Yeah, I wouldn't care. I I I don't think you can operate like that. I think that's like a big mistake that teams often do is making moves to like or not making moves to avoid benefit. Like you have to worry about benefiting yourself more than anything. Um, and like uh, you know. I mean, as an example, not that this really mattered because he was going there anyway, but like Golden State did not care that they had to give up a protected first to effectively keep a salary slot open when KD left, right? Because they were like, okay, whatever, fuck it. We'll trade you KD to Brooklyn and we'll give you a protected first, which didn't end up conveying because they missed the playoffs that extra anyway because fucking Steph and Clay both got hurt. But like they traded, they did that so they could trade for D'Angelo Russell, right? That kept the salary slot open, and we saw how that worked out for them, right? They then flipped D'Angelo Russell for, um, you know, Andrew Wiggins and a first-round pick. They should have taken Franz. They'd be in a very, very good spot if they had done that instead of taking Kaminga, but I digress. Uh, the point being, like, they didn't care that they were helping Brooklyn effectively, right? They were more concerned about how do we help ourselves? How do we think that what is the best thing for us as an organization? And I think that's how you need to operate um, so, like, if the Knicks think OG and Anobi helps them, and that's, like, their belief, it should not matter if trading for him somehow helps Toronto get Dame. Because you should only be trading for OG if you think that elevates you to a different level as a team, right? And, like, from where they were, if they are, are making a move that they think elevates them, then what you're saying is that we think this move makes us a contender. like, And not like a contender in the way that we think, like, you know, things break right, and, you know, Varja has a better season, and Randall plays defense, and quickly gets his shit together in the playoffs, and, like, we could be a contender. No, like, you have to make a move that you're like, no, no, this 100% makes us a contender. If that's what they believe, then who fucking cares if Toronto gets Dame? Like, you should not give a shit because you think you're as good as any team in the East. And not just the East, but in the league. So, like, that's how I think they should operate. Um, now, so they do have. We've talked about this, right? Before they have this window where Randall and Brunson are both on good contracts, and if now Dame is sitting in Miami, that's not great, right? Because if healthy, you'd have to think that team has a pretty significant advantage over the Knicks, even just on talent without um, without even considering the coaching, right? 
and I mean, probably for two years at least. Yeah, uh, but like, I don't think the Knicks. For me, this is just my opinion. Like, I think the Knicks have a pretty decent sized window. Um, look, I I know we can sit here and talk about like, well, you know, in two years, like if they pay X Y Z, they'll be in the second, they'll be above the second apron, and this restricts what they can do, and blah 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 blah. Sure, but like, in terms of the age of your players, you're not. You should not be operating like we have to capitalize right now, especially and like, like it's different when you're talking about Giannis. It's different if you're talking about Embiid, who I don't actually want, but like I understand the caliber of player he is necessitates a different conversation to me than OG and Obi. Like I don't see OG as a guy that's prying open your window. Like I don't think he changes your window. I think your window still is the same, but um. Like, I don't, th- I would not be operating like we need to cash in by right now. Um, that's not how like, they've operated. Yeah. And like, oh, we need, or we need to cash in by X date in the future. You know, I, I you just shouldn't do it. And like, I, I, I don't know what the internal thinking was for, say, Boston this offseason. And I'm very, very fascinated by how everything works out for them. Um, but like, to me, it felt a little like they felt like, Oh, our time is right now. Like we can't keep wasting years with Tatum and Brown, and like we got to go for it right this second. And I don't, I don't like. Th- they do have a window. Obviously, they've been in the Eastern Conference Finals for like seven hundred thousand straight years. Um, like obviously, that's that they're in a contention period right now. It just felt a little like forced like we have to do something big um and i kind of think i don't disagree they had to do something big but i just felt like they addressed the wrong things and that's kind of how i feel about what this og and Obi move would be like i don't really think you're addressing something that needs to be addressed at least not with the caliber of player we're talking about um by getting him you know like let's just look at the playoffs like even with quickly playing poorly on offense and getting hurt, even with Grimes not being able to hit a shot, even with Tibbs, you know, making questionable lineup decisions and all this type of stuff, right? Even with all of that, what we're really, and oh, Mitch's limitations and blah, blah, blah. Even with all of that, the main thing that I think held us back is that our best player, second best player, whatever you want to call it, played like shit. He played like shit. That there's no other way around it. Like he played very poorly, and like to me, that's that's it. That's the thing that we're like when you're talking about. Oh, the Knicks can get Giannis. Oh, the Knicks can get Embiid or whatever. What you're telling me and what I think, what you're basically what you should be taking out of that yourself is like, oh, what we're talking about is replacing Randall with somebody who we think is better than Randall. Obviously, I'm not saying like one for one, right? Joel Embiid is not going to be like, oh, we take out Randall, put in Joel Embiid, Embiid's the four now, and like, that's how we, like, no, no that's not what I mean, but in terms of the offensive hierarchy, that's that's what we're talking about. Um, so, like, that's what the focus should be on. Like, shuffling around the deck chairs of the rotation don't really make sense to me, because those guys are already kind of proven. So the two things that we can talk about are like, okay, well, do we, and and to me, the links of like the players that they've been linked to indicate this is like, well, do we think that, uh, 
RJ Barrett and Julius Randle as in their roles as, you know, top three high usage guys on the team, that those guys are the ones that are going to take us and, and can, they can get better and improve and whatever they can take us into being a contender. Or do we think that we need to move things around and upgrade those spots? I personally feel that the Knicks think they should upgrade on RJ Barrett, but the value wasn't there for the guys that they thought could do that. And they're comfortable running it back with him in the same role. I'm comfortable with that decision. I don't think guys like Paul George, as much as I think he'd be an amazing fit here, um, or, or Zach Levine are worth the type of hauls that those teams apparently were coveting to get them. I also don't think there's a four. Like, the, I mean, you fucking wrote like a 7,000 word, uh, you know, it fucking <laughs> a whole, whole ass thesis. Yeah. About, about, the value of power forwards, but like it's a tricky position and Julius, as we've talked about is a tricky player to like, you know, how many, like this is like Siakam is kind of like this too. Like how many teams would want that guy? Cause they're not easy players to necessarily just slot in as good as they are. But that's why, like, is there any four that you could have seen on the market this summer that you would have been like, well, if we just take Randall out and put this guy in, we're definitely way better. I didn't see it. I don't see I mean, it. Like, had a pretty good four for two for second round picks, right? <laughs> they did. Uh, but like, but like that. I I still believe that like there's a world where if you did that, this team isn't that much worse off. It's just entirely different the way they would have to play. But like, it doesn't really matter. I understand the Knicks' decision, and I think you know ultimately you go kind of like with more of a proven choice than a theoretical one. Um, and I totally respect that. So, like, I just don't think that move was out there for them. And so they didn't, they have not made a big move. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I think once you get Josh Hart, that was like, I, they made their play for OG Ananobi last, last year at the trade deadline, more or less. Like, we know that, or we know that they offered three picks. We don't know exactly what those picks were or which picks because they have a shit ton of picks, but they did make an offer for OG that was turned down. Then they moved on Josh Hart, which they got for, you know, I mean, I know that we could have had fucking Chris Murray, but uh, I, I think Josh Hart is is pretty pretty much worth what we we gave up to get him. But like at that point, what exactly are you trading OG and Anobi for? I know him and Josh Hart are not not exactly the same player, but like, you know, is OG in again the well, OG is, is an upgrade as a shooter, like and he's an upgrade. Is, a, he's, I mean, Hart is a. I think elite off-ball defender obviously uses a rebounding, but um, but you know, in terms of perimeter defense, he's solid. OG is going to be a lot more impactful there for sure. There's no doubt about that. But like, they're in the same family of like players. They're in the same family tree. We're, but, but you know, again, like, so then you're saying if you get OG, well, then we're replacing RJ, and it's like I don't know, man. I, I just think if I'm trading out RJ then I want somebody who's more of a proven commodity as far as shot creation. Like, yeah, you can tell me about the defense and we need a big wing defender and blah, 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 blah. But like, okay, we were, I think we had the best defensive rating among all teams in the playoffs. Like we, did we also had one not great offense and one, you know, the heat was just kind of weird, but. But, but you, I mean, we say this, we say this. And, the issue, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we say this, but like Cleveland did finish top 10 in offensive rating last year. So like, to, and, and maybe that says something about like, okay, the, obviously we know the regular season is not the playoffs and the Knicks saw that too with their offense. But like, 
that's kind of the point where it's like, okay, well, if you just think if you think the playoffs are different than the regular season, then the takeaway should be like, well, who do we get that can help our offense in the playoffs? Not, oh, we need our defense to be more defensive. Like the defense was fine; we it was good. But do you think um, the lack of tertiary shot creation was the bigger issue? I mean, one we talked about Randall, but also, I mean, the 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 argument for OG versus RJ in that situation. Um, and again, you. I think you, it's fair to point out that OG probably wouldn't be happy with just kind of a floor spacing rule. Um, but the idea would be that it wasn't really so much lack of shot creation. They, the, the Knicks had a guy going for 30 nightly at, by the end of the Miami series. Um, it was more, um, you know, lack of spacing and, and, you know, giving the ability to guys to, to other guys to get to the rim, especially. Um, so that would be kind of the argument for getting more of a complimentary guy than RJ, but I don't know. I mean, I, I talk about this ad nauseum. I think the bigger issue is like the way you play is a lot easier to defend in the playoffs as a team. And yes, guys need to make shots, but I also think when dudes are not really able to get into a rhythm and, and you're changing rotations and like, look, some of that was forced on Tibbs, right? Grimes got hurt. Randall missed a game here or there, or whatever. Like he had some big changes that he needed to make and it fucked up. A lot of his shit, of a lot of shit, but like, um, I, I just, I don't know. To me, I'd like, I'd rather just be like, I don't think Grimes and Quickly are going to suck at shooting forever in the playoffs. I think that RJ Barrett can get better. Like, I think Julius Randle can get better because Jesus Christ, I mean, how the fuck could he not be better than what the hell he was in that playoffs? Um, and so what, what, like, I understand why you would look at Zach Levine and be like, well, what he does would be an improvement on RJ Barrett. I get that. I don't, and, and very specifically in terms of the playoffs. Now, is that a surefire bet? No, because Zach Levine's played four fucking playoff games in his career. Um, but, like, I don't really understand how you look at what happened in the playoffs and the takeaway is, yeah. OG Ananobi, that's it. It's the guy. Like, I don't really get that at all. Um, and, you know, look, we've talked about this. Like, this is what my apprehension about Joel Embiid is. Where it's like, yeah, he's better than Julius Randle. But, like, he's another guy, like Julius, where, especially after round one, his history in the playoffs has been really bad. Like, his efficiency well, numbers drop off. as bad as Randle, right? No, 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 yeah. Not as bad as Randle, but the, but the idea is, like, if I'm trading for this guy to put me over the top, are we sure that he's demonstrated that ability? I'm not. Um, but, but like, that's at least a more reasonable bet to me to happen than OG being like, okay, well now you replace RJ and now our offense won't be an issue in the same ways that it was, it, that it was an issue in the playoffs this past year. Like, I just don't see that. I don't think he's that guy. And, you know, to me, it's, it's more of like the, uh, an OG trade would have more value in the regular season than it does in the playoffs. Like, that's that's kind of what I feel about it. I think that he, if you told me we get OG in place of RJ right now, I would be like, yeah, we're a better regular season team. Better regular season team. Do I think that it moves the needle that much in the playoffs? Not especially. I still think you're looking for a third, third banana. Now, maybe that's like, maybe OG, you know, we work out that he's not quite the third guy and Grimes gets more usage or quickly gets more usage and they step up in that role and whatever. But like, just feels like a kind of a roundabout and really like not 
a particularly well thought out bet on a dude. Um, again, to me, just we, what you're effectively trading him for is like, if you think he can be the third banana, I disagree. Um, and if you're trading for him because he's a big wing and we need a big wing defender, I think that's putting the, what is it? The cart before the horse. Um, to me, it's like you get him after you, you start worrying about very specific shit like that after you get your star, superstar, whatever. Then you need to start worrying about like, well, we need this player archetype for this situation, this for that. Like, I think doing it the other way around is a mistake. Um, and I, I just, and for that reason, I'm out. Um, yeah, with, um, I guess the other question is, you know, I don't think Bogey is a better player than Randall, but um, do you think that, um, do you think that if you, if the feeling is, you know, maybe we don't want to pay Randall um, and maybe we want someone who can kind of make up for uh, Brunson's shortcomings, you know, and, and OG has some personal, positional flexibility there. Um, I don't know that he's a better shooter than Randall when you take into account volume, but he's been a little bit more consistent throughout his career. Is that maybe a viable option? So, so would you would you would you move Randall to get OG? No, I I just think like, like I'm as critical of Randall as anybody, and I'm not totally sold on like you know I know he's had two All NBA seasons, but it's like, do you feel comfortable betting on him being an All NBA guy again next year? Maybe you know maybe that's a good bet because. Um, you know, because he, because of like the new qualifications benefit somebody who's been as durable as him and eliminates a lot of players that aren't durable. But, you know, in, in the actual kind of genuine sense of that terminology of like all NBA guy, do you feel confident that he's one of the 15 best players in the NBA next season? Even, in the, even if it's just a regular season, I'm not. I think he can um, win LBM. He can, I think he can make all NBA. He's going to put up numbers. I think he'll put up similar numbers to last year. For me, the question has never been about can this guy do what he did last year again. Um, is he one of the 15 best players? No, but that has to do with the fact that guys like Anthony, you, you can forget eligibility in the stricter sense. They're just not going to play 60 games. LeBron, AD, um, you know, guys like Paul George, Kawhi, right? So that's really what's opened it up for him the last couple of years. I don't know that that's necessarily going to change. And I don't think his production during the regular season is going to go down. Um, the question you're asking is, does putting OG there maybe give you more of a, a greater, especially if you believe RJ or quickly can step up into that, you know, second shot creator role that maybe they'd be better at than, than Randall, you know, given some more development. <coughs> given some more development. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, nuts got in my throat, you know. That happens to the best of us. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, like, when you're talking about reshaping, you're talking about completely reorienting your team, right? And the bet you're effectively making there is that, I don't know, that I guess, like, RJ and Quickly and OG, like some combination of these three guys will all tick up a little bit more offensively and that will replace Julius's kind of like singular impact in a way and I I don't know I'm not really into that bet because 
one thing I like about this current Knicks team is they have figured out shit that works for them collectively as a group and individually for these players. I don't know if you want to, like, do you really want to kind of reinvent the wheel for OG or a player of that caliber? I, I mean, I wouldn't have even, like, I don't even know if I want to do that for, forget OG. Like, let's talk about, like, Donovan Mitchell. Do, am I sure that I would want to do that? Like, let's say you're like, well, we can get Mitchell and then we'll just play whoever the fuck at the floor and, like, we can play small. I don't think so. I, I don't really want to do that. I think the Knicks have a good formula. And if you're going to kind of change the equation, it should be for a bigger variable. Wow, that's the nerdiest thought process I've ever put together in my life. Uh, but like, like you know, like I'm willing to do that for Giannis because it's fucking Giannis. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be willing to totally change. You know, it, let's be real, right? If you get Giannis in some great scenario for the Knicks, that totally will happen because only good things happen to us. Uh, if you got Giannis, like, you know, Mitch probably has to go. Because I don't know how Mitch and Giannis can really... I don't, I don't know how Giannis benefits from playing next to Mitch. Um, like, I'm willing to make a bigger wholesale change because it is Giannis, right? Or, like, I... Again, I personally don't want Joel Embiid. But if you get Embiid, I don't think him and Randall make any sense together. So you'd have to move Randall out, and you have to... like. There's a whole thing you got to do there. Just me. That's how I think about it. I at least understand why you'd be willing to do it for a player like that. I don't get doing it for OG. Like, I just don't think there's any scenario where no matter how you slice it, the Knicks are meaningfully better. Having well, are, you, are, you do, are you doing that for Brunson to an extent? Maybe if you get a guy who can cover for his shortcomings a little bit more of a floor spacer. He's not a great passer, though. That's the other thing. But it's not. Uh, he's not a great passer. He's not good at the rim either. He's not like a good slasher. And he'd be a rebounding downgrade for sure from that man. Yeah, he's not a good rebounder. This is the other part of him. He's not a good rebounder. He is a really good like steals guy, which is something that we don't have. But I also think like this is something that DiVincenzo's been a good steals guy in his career. Um, and it's also worth noting, we've talked about this, like steals are generally so hard, by the way. So hard is pretty good at yeah. the collections and getting it. Right. Yeah. And like it's worth mentioning, like in general, steals are a statistic that are more indicative of like your individual player quality than scheme or anything like that. But that said, Tibbs' teams and players who come like who join a Tibbs team tend to see their steal rates go down a little bit. Like they, they notch down because that's not his scheme is not about gambling, right? His scheme is very much about like, no, we want to force you to take shots from X X zone and we want to not give you shots here. And all we want you to do is like make those rotations. Now, if you can make the rotation and get into the passing lane, sure. But you don't have the license to get into the passing lane. Um, you don't have the freedom to just do that. So, I mean, again, like I don't even know if like why we were trading for OG Anobi is like, well, he's a rebounding downgrade. I'm not sure about the shot creation. He's kind of a fine shooter. Like, but he gets steals. Like, any, like I don't know. Like to me, it just. It's just not worth it. Like, I, I don't see it with him, man. I, I just don't. And I think that, like, does, like, you got to think at some point, the guy's been in Toronto for like 7,000 fucking years now. He's been rumored to be on the market for a while. The league doesn't probably think he's as valuable as Toronto does either. And what does that mean? What is his proper value? All that stuff. I don't quite know. Um, 
But well, they like, want to drive I'm, to the practice facility in Terrytown. You know, it's probably a farther commute than than Toronto. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing. What if he what if he doesn't want to make that commute, and that's the reason he leaves after playing for us for one year? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just OG's fine. He's a good player, but like he could be a good player fucking somewhere else. I'm not interested in 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 him on the Knicks, and I just think there are more pressing needs for us than like. Uh, an OG and an OB, uh, but I'm, oh, good. yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say we've talked too long about OG and OB, so I had another topic, but there's some yes, please, thank God, no, please, <laughs> let's move on. Um, well, since we brought it up, I don't think we've talked about it on this pod. Or, I mean, I don't think I've talked about it on this pod. I might have mentioned it with Prez. Is there anything off the table for you with Giannis? You know, and how, I mean, how realistic do you think that is? One, him becoming a real option. And two is that two is there anything off the table? And three, I guess, do you think the Knicks have the ability to put the best offer on the market? Um, my only thing with Giannis would be like this is so weird because he's literally a two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, NBA champ, all that shit. My only thing is like you can't literally give up everything. Like, you can't literally, like, it cannot actually be every pick, all the swaps, RJ, Grimes, quickly. What it, it can't, it cannot you, be that. You, would you, so you said you wanted to get rid of Mitch. Would you want to keep Randall? No, no. I, I don't, like, I think Giannis is a four. I know that he can play the five at times, but to me, you want him as a roaming player on defense, not an anchor. And offensively, like, I don't really know how to describe this because he's just like Giannis on offense, but to me, he just makes like you need to go get a floor, a floor spreading five somehow um, to get the best out of him, uh, or some weirdo four who like is good at anchoring a defense. Maybe that exists somewhere. I don't know. Um, like, like I mean, Jared honestly, Jackson. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, it'd be Jaron Jackson, but not the FIBA version. Um, but like. I don't well, know. the FIBA version I, played the five, right? So next to a guy like Giannis, some of those concerns. Yeah, that that could that you. could work. But but yeah, like I, I think so. Nothing would be the way I would view it is like, can I get shit for Randall that can then I can then reroute to Milwaukee, which would reduce what we have to give up from like our own initial stash of shit. If you can do that, I think that's like the sweet spot. Like, let's say you can get two first round picks for Randall. Let's just say like two first round picks and a swap, right? That's the DeJounte Murray price, basically. Let's say you can get that for Randall. Okay. Now, can I take those things, those two swaps, two, those two picks and, and swap? Now, what if what if I give those that and just all of the our own four unprotected picks that we can trade up to, right? Like, is that enough for Milwaukee? Or, you know, I can give those two and two of our own and then I give them quickly an RJ or I give them Grimes and RJ or whatever the hell it is where I'm not giving up everything. If I can do that, I think that's, to me, that's like not just a fair price. That is the price. Like I, I don't, unless, unless Giannis comes out and is like, I'm totally okay with being traded to OKC and extending there. I don't really see what team is out there that's offering more than that. Like, cause Memphis, you literally you know? can't. They can't. Like they, they cannot offer more than four picks. No team can offer more than four picks. The right. only way to do they that can is offer. A, I mean, New Orleans could offer someone like Ingram, who, depending on what your thoughts of him versus Randall, 
might be more valuable. Memphis could offer someone like Jaron Jackson Jr., although that makes the fit a little bit messier. And those those guys have other unpredictable. They have picks from other teams, right? But Memphis doesn't anymore. Oklahoma City does, and New Orleans still does, right? Yeah, but it's like, do you really think Giannis is going to go to New Orleans? And be like, I'm going to like he would. I would need to be convinced that Giannis is willing to go to New Orleans and extend there to to be like, well, then fuck it, then then yeah, do give up everything. Well, if, you, if you have Giannis next to one of Bi and Zion. I mean, it's also their their Zion. what Zion, air <laughs> quotes. I mean, they there could be a pretty formidable team there, and I think that would be that would be the main. I mean, he, I think he would stay in Milwaukee if he felt like they were a contender. Right? But the whole thing is that he, he doesn't feel like at this point there's questions about whether they can be. So I, I wouldn't be worried so much as long as I mean, you'd probably have to give up Trey Murphy, one of Ingram or Zion. And all, and like a bunch of picks, I think that can beat out a lot of Knicks offers. I mean, depending on your thoughts on Trey Murphy. No, I think it can beat out a Knicks offer, but to me, it's like I just I'm not going to believe that that Giannis is going to New Orleans and is like I'm going to sign an extension there. I'm just and he's going to let's he's going to have a year left on his contract next summer, right? So like you're not trading for him, you're not trading the mother load for him unless you're like very confident. Why don't you think he would sign in New Orleans? Do you, I don't, I just don't think that he's going to leave Milwaukee to go to a market like New Orleans. Like, I, I'm sure, yes, does winning matter to him? Of course. But I think if he leaves, he's going to a bigger market. Like, I, that's just what I think. I don't, like, you look at the history of the NBA, stars, when they, especially guys like him, when they look to move and they look to get out, they tend to go to the biggest markets or try to go to the biggest this markets. This is a little bit unique in the sense that it's like Kawhi, for example, right? He did his one year rental in Toronto. He went, he did go to a big market. He went to a good big market where he has family ties. That isn't really the same kind of thing. Like Giannis's first home in America was Milwaukee. Um, so I do think this is a little bit unprecedented. And I'm not sure I agree that that's really the priority for him. Because this is this guy is already, is in many ways, the face of the NBA, right? Um, I don't know that that would be as big a deal for him. Um, like, like, okay, just think of it. Fine, you want, if you want to put it in like life terms, right? Okay, I've come to America. I've lived in Milwaukee for eight, nine years. I loved the experience, great city, whatever. But like, I want to experience something different. And like, yes, obviously New Orleans is different from Milwaukee. But the idea of like, okay, I want to experience something very, very different from Milwaukee. Like, you're talking about going to a bigger fucking city in NBA terms. You're talking about going to a bigger market. And, and he's also, look, he's talked on the record before. About like, oh, I wouldn't mind playing for the Bulls, right? Like, Chicago's fucking like an hour from Milwaukee. Why is he saying that? Because it's a big fucking market. That's why. Like, I, I, oh, it's also the history of the franchise, really, you know, franchise, which is, I mean, let's be real. The history of the fucking Bulls is Michael Jordan. That's it. That's their history. Nobody else cares about the rest of the fucking history. Um, like, that's that's what it is. I, I, I refuse. Like, so to me, it's like New York. Golden State, LA teams, and really, like, I, I personally have a hard time believing that if he go went to LA, he'd be interested in going to the Clippers. Like, Giannis to me strikes me as somebody who is want, would want the pressure of like the the marquee franchise in any city he's in. I don't think he's going to LA to go play for fucking Steve Ballmer and doing ripping lines or whatever the fuck that guy's ripping lines. What about the Nets? The Nets are now the marquee franchise and. That the little that little pick me thing they got over there in Jersey, uh, 
No, like I, I, I don't. I'd be, I'd genuinely be like shocked if he was like, yeah, I'm down to go to Brooklyn. Especially with the way all that KD shit ended there. Like, I just have a hard time believing any superstars like so enthused about going to Brooklyn. That's just me. Um, but like, I, it could be Boston for all I know. You know, um, it could like Miami. Like, I just cannot see him. Dallas being, doesn't like, have well. the assets, right? Yeah, and Dallas, he's not for fucking Dallas, man. Like, like Houston is maybe the only team in that state that I could see him being like, oh, if I leave Milwaukee, that would be like fine, okay. Especially look, he's working out with Hakeem, right? Summer, like maybe Hakeem's like, look, man, what if, you know, you you don't know what it's like to win in in Houston. The strip clubs are crazy, uh, but like. I, I just, uh, to me, if he's leading, he's going to a big market. He's going for a different experience, like a, a, just a totally different experience. Like in soccer, there's this idea of like, like as an example, right? Um, so there's like all these different clubs, but there's like big clubs. And even among big clubs, there's like big clubs and then there's big, big clubs. And so it's like, like, so for example, Ronaldo won, you know, Premier League, you won the Champions League with Manchester United, but at the end of the day, Real, if Real Madrid is interested in you, you're going to go to Real Madrid because that's just how it is. Doesn't matter how successful you are, doesn't matter what you won. Almost as a rule of thumb, if Real Madrid is interested in a player, that player is going to try to get there. Just how it is. Like I and and to me, I don't think he's going to be like, oh, I'm leaving Milwaukee to go to fucking New Orleans or. Oklahoma City. Like, no, I think if he's leaving New Orleans, he's leaving for a different experience, a different pressure, a different caliber of challenge. And I'm sorry that, like, you know, if there is anybody that's a small market appreciator listening to this, I am sorry. It means more to win in New York or LA as far as your, like, the reach it gives you, the exposure it gives you. I'm not talking about, like, your individual legacy or something. If anything, I think. That in some ways is enhanced by winning on a small market, but like the the kind of pressure you're dealing with, winning with the Lakers is a lot more. There's a lot more pressure to do that. You can get an HBO show. So yeah, I guess. But there's a lot more pressure to do that in LA or in New York or in Boston than there is in New Orleans or Oklahoma City or fucking. Utah, like nobody gives a shit about those fucking teams, other than the people that root for those teams. Like nobody gives a fuck. Like if Z- if the Zion thing, right? If that entire Zion thing was happening in New York or in LA or in Boston, this story, it, like this, would be a fucking every single day storyline that you'd be, you'd never hear the end of. And it wouldn't be like, oh, well, Zion, like, what if he wants to get traded? No, it'd be like. What is wrong with this team? What, what what is James Dolan doing to destroy Zion Williamson? It's like why is, is it, why is Trevor Keels not getting prioritized over Zion Williamson? But it's like like I just think, and and I'm not saying that's inherently a good thing, but I do. It is a different thing. It is a different pressure. It's a different level of media exposure, and anybody that wants to deny that is an idiot. Like you can keep telling me the NBA is a global sport now. It doesn't matter what market you're in. And you're a fucking moron if you think that. Like, I'm sorry, you're just a fucking idiot if you actually believe that it, there is no difference. There absolutely is a difference. And I I believe, I don't know Giannis, I, that might surprise you. I don't know Giannis personally. Um, but, like, I think if he leaves Milwaukee and he's like, well, I can't win here anymore, I think he wants to go to a big market. I think he wants a different challenge. And um, I don't think that challenge is 
bringing a title to the uh, Oklahoma City oil frackers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who might didn't didn't wasn't listening to the Mike did not move. Isn't the owner looking at moving? Uh, I don't know. No, they just didn't. They just get a new lease or whatever at the stadium or whatever the fuck is. I don't know they're not moving though. I don't think. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not so. I mean, again, I I'm not sold on the idea that Giannis would prioritize that over winning if he really felt like he could get that. Like, I wouldn't like if Dallas had the assets. I do think they'd be a threat because I think he'd want to play with Luca. Um, I know from your perspective and from mine too. Like. I don't know that that's the greatest basketball fit or if he'd want to stand around watching Luca, but you know, players don't always think about it that way, right? But he knows Luca's a great player and I think that would be kind of enticing, but I don't think they have the assets. I think the reality is the Knicks are going to have to put together. I, I think you have to look at it and say, is Giannis and Brunson so good that if we do have to give up a lot, can we fill in stuff around them? It's, and this is, so this and is I think that, like, that's pretty if there is a pairing though, man, that's close. Because I really love that fit. Well, I mean look, I, anything with Giannis, I'm basically in for yeah, it. But you're playing him next to a guy who can play on ball, off ball, who can create I get that. for him. That but, is a but devastating he, here's, thing. Here here's the thing though. Like the filling out the roster part is way harder now than it's ever been before with the new cap rules and everything. So like this is why like in the old, so the, in the past CBA, right, I would have been like, it's fucking Giannis, who cares, just whatever it takes. I don't think you can operate like that anymore. I really don't. I think it's super challenging. And I've talked about this with Jeff a lot, but like, I think the league is in a totally different place now where, like, you remember in the 2000s, right? Those Cavs teams or whatever, you have a bunch of teams like this where it was like, look, if you have this superstar, you just get that guy, and then you put dudes around him. You're going to win. You're going to walk into, like, 50 wins, right? LeBron plus a bunch of fucking clowns would walk into 50 wins in the East. That just that was the baseline. If you put LeBron with a bunch of clowns, even that version of LeBron, with a bunch of clowns into the current Eastern Conference, the current Western Conference, and you were like, just, all right, we're a contender now, I don't think it works like that anymore. The league is too deep. It's too talented. There's way It's way too competitive on a nightly basis. Like, I don't think Houston's going to be good this year. But I look at their team and I'm like, there's a lot of talent on that roster. Like, there's a lot of talent there. And so, like, I don't think you can just walk in. Like, you cannot deplete your team so much that, that like, it's those two dudes. It's like, let's just say you keep DiVincenzo and Hart in this scenario. If that's your team, like, those four guys plus fucking creative players, like, is that a contender? I don't, I honestly don't think so. I really don't. Um, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm foolish, but like, I just, I, I don't, I don't see it. Like I, I, there's, I would give up a lot for Giannis. And I do think like, like, I really genuinely believe like if I go, if I give up Randall and I get, again, if I get the DeJounte Murray package and I give up, so I have six unprotected first to trade you and fucking four swaps right whatever the hell it is if i'm giving that up what is that like i feel like that's a pretty fucking reasonable offer and like sure we'll make the contracts work however we need to make the contracts work right so like i'll get expiring contracts for randall i'll send that to milwaukee and then i'll throw in rj let's just say that's the trade or mitch whatever the fuck it is right okay fine i'll do that 
but if I'm, if it's like no no well we need quick and we need Grimes and and we need those protected picks that you got too and we need like then I'm like I, I don't know man I, I just think that you're you're really playing a dangerous game there especially again like the buyout market isn't there anymore and like you can't just it, it's just a lot harder to 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 figure it out like the logic was like oh just get the star and then figure it out and even with that logic like i i mean we've talked about this a ton on here like i've never really felt that that's a viable team building strategy and over the course of nba history the teams that have done that the majority of them have not succeeded um but like at least i could understand that and i think it's it was reasonable i don't think it's reasonable anymore to just be like well just get the guys and figure it out like it's 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 too hard with the trade restrictions and free agent restrictions and oh your pick seven years out is frozen and all this type of shit like it's it's too much i i don't think you can you know all in i mean define all in right like i'm willing to give up a lot to get it am i literally willing to give up everything that's not nailed down uh probably not maybe that puts me in the minority but like yeah that's kind of where i'm at where it's like it's not just trade for the guy and figure it out anymore. I think you really have to like know what you're going to do in advance. You have to have a pretty solid idea. Now, if you can like lay out the plan for me where it's like, look, we'll give up all this shit, but we can sign this guy and this dude will come and we'll draft this dude in the second round. And he's going to be good. If you can lay that out for me, sure. You know, like, Oh, like for example, well, we don't want to include quick, but we'll include quick because we're going to bring a, bring Ro- Rokas over. And like, sure. If like the, if you can kind of, replace your rotation with decent quality, right? You're not going to replace it with the same level. But if you can be like, well, it's not quite quickly, but it's a decent version. It's not quite grind, but it's a decent version. It's not quite RJ, but it's an okay version of it. Like, if you can do that, sure. Okay, then I can get on board with it. But it's hard. It's very, very hard. And, you know, I, I don't know. That's probably not the answer or specific <laughs> a specific answer that answers your fundamental question, but that's my logic anyway when it comes to a Giannis trade. Yeah, and to your point, you know, if, if you're saying you have to move Randall, you have to move Mitch, those guys will bring back value, right? Um, I think Mitch is worth at least the first at this point. Um, you know, I, well, I don't know. He's not a top 100 player. <laughs> um, he's not. He's no Jared Allen or Evan Mobley. You can never match yeah, those if, guys. If he replaced those, if he replaced those guys in a series, he'd get, he'd get pushed around. Um, but I think he'd be worth a first. It does look like the market for centers is a little depressed. I don't know what's going on with the Aiton situation. Um, but you're probably getting two or three first round picks back at a minimum, probably a vet or two that has some salary matching. Um, so if it was two of Grimes and quickly and, and RJ, two of those guys, four unprotected, um, you would do that, right? And then whatever protected picks we have to add on top. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... be sad, though. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I mean, it, it, you'd have to... Um, but so I, I, I guess the other, the last thing I'll say is I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on Randall Giannis potentially working than you. Um, I do agree that the fit with Mitch would be a little bit messy. Um, and the other part of it, I think, is you talked about wanting to get a four spacing five, but I think you've talked a lot about like those don't really exist. They're That's really what hard. makes Brooks so valuable, right? Um, but you know, who are the real shooters at the five? You know, you have 
Well, have you seen Mitch's workout videos? This <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, you know, there's guys like there's JJJ, but I think he's the unique guy that can work next to Gian- or Giannis. Is the guy that can make him work as a quote unquote five. Uh, Porzingis, but Porzingis is getting paid a lot of money. Um, Brooke and you know, I mean Turner. Eh? I mean Turner is what you know. Prez will say fake shooter. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens to the jumpers of Chet and and Wemby. Uh, and maybe this will be an archetype, you know, if you're forward thinking, like that you'll be able to kind of find. But it, it's been really tough to find those types of guys. Does that make you want to maybe say, yeah, like Randall for all his flaws, Giannis will cover up some of them, especially on defense. Um, I think you're. It is fair to mention that you know you'd like Giannis to roam a little bit, but you know you're still have a lot of now you have a lot of offensive firepower. Randall can probably space the floor well enough to to give Giannis some room. I'm not so sure that I would necessarily want to go away from that. Again, though, if that if the cost of that is you have to deplete everything, if it's a choice between keeping Randall or RJ at that point, I'd probably lean towards keeping RJ. Um, especially if, you know, by next year, I assume he's going to have improved um, a little bit more. But, you know, are you really that out on Giannis Randall as a potential front court bearing? Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it at all. Like, I, I think Randall has done a lot of really good things in New York. I also feel like it's benefited him that he's played with such a low usage center. Um, if you're playing him with Giannis, what the hell has Giannis's usage been the last few years? Like, it's got to be super insane. Um, pick up real quick. <sighs> All right, the last. Let's just look at the last three years. Is that is that good? All right, last this is his last four years. Okay, let's just do this. Thirty nine last. <laughs> yeah. So this is last four years. I'm just listing it out. Thirty seven and a half. 32 and a half, 34.9, 38.8. So they won the title when he was at 32 and a half. Let's just say that that's, that's what he would be at. That's still cutting into Randall's usage a ton. And like, like we talk, like you, part of the reason why you're, and everybody should be like high on the idea of, man, Brunson and Giannis would be really good together is we know Brunson is a very, very capable off ball player. Um, Randall has not proven to be a very, very capable off ball player. He can shoot. But we, how many times have you seen him get sprayed out a pass for a spot up three? And what does he do? Pump fake. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not a natural off ball player in the way that Brunson can be a natural off ball player. So I think that you're going to cut into his effectiveness because he's somebody who wants to put the ball on the floor and, and kind of like get into the game that way. And then on defense, like I just think you're not going to get the value from Giannis that you should be getting because he's not an anchor. They've struggled the last couple of years, especially when he's played the five uh, without Brooke on the floor, because like, he's just, again, like the, he's as he, yeah, he, is he a gigantic human being? Sure. But like being a defensive anchor for 82 games is really hard. And that's why well, you Randall has the girth, so to speak, to handle some of those assignments as well. Right. I'll take your word for it, buddy. Um, no, I, I sure, but like neither of these guys, he's not an anchor either. We've seen Randall at the five is a fucking defensive disaster. So you, you're, you're, and this is Tibbs. This is Tom Thibodeau. Okay, that's gonna be the coach. You're gonna waste a year. Maybe he gets fired after the year, but you're gonna waste a year because he's not gonna change his defensive principles. He's not gonna be like, oh, we're gonna start switching a bunch more and like 
playing hyper aggressive schemes to kind of cover up the fact that neither of these guys is a traditional rim protecting five. Um, like, and you you cannot waste a year when you get Giannis. You can't waste a year. So like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just out on that idea. Uh, and Randall is arguably going to fetch more in trade than RJ, which theoretically should then help you maybe keep more of your existing assets, pieces, whatever. Um, we've had, had Schmelk come on here, and the last part of that is he also said that on these types of trades, they want what you got, right? When it, he said that about Donovan Mitchell, so it stands to reason it would apply to Giannis. Um, do you, is it your view that that's changing now just because people are not going to want to do that? I'm just saying if Giannis has a year left, I'm comfortable making this very specific bet. I don't think he's going to go to New Orleans. I don't think he's going to go to OKC because I don't think he'll extend in those places. I think they'll know that. And I think of the teams that he would extend with that we can make a better offer than any of those teams. And that would not necessarily, and we would not need to give up every single thing to make a better offer than those teams. I think we can make a better offer than Boston. I think we can make a better offer than LA, Miami, Philly, potentially, if they wanted to be in the mix. Like we can make a better Golden State. We can make a better offer than any of these teams. We can. So why do I need to give up everything if the market is telling me that I can give up less than everything and still make the best offer out there among the teams you'd extend with. Like the one team, the one team you could perhaps argue is Brooklyn. So if he would be willing to play for Brooklyn, then maybe you do need to. And I say this, very. I want to be clear. This is because they have all the unprotected picks from Phoenix. They have an unprotected pick from Dallas. And I think they have now two of their own first that they can trade again so shout out to uh shout out to them for having some picks of their own to trade i'm sure it'll work out for them this time um but like made a clean sweep yeah clean sweep so like yeah if, if he is like i'm willing to go to brooklyn right if that's what he's willing to if he's saying that and milwaukee's like well look he's willing to go to brooklyn they're willing to give him all these six unprotected picks so if you want him you're gonna have to give up more okay then you do it but like I personally don't think that's the case. That's, we'll see. I was, I, maybe I'm wrong. I was wrong in 2019 um, that KD would sign with the Knicks because I did not think that he was going to go to Brooklyn. Um, I was, did not want him to sign with the Knicks, but I also did think he was going to sign with the Knicks. So maybe I'm wrong about Giannis too. I don't know. Um, but like, I'm very confident that aside from Brooklyn, the Knicks can make a better offer than any of those teams. And they don't have to give up everything to do it. Yeah, that's right. I think it. Um, yeah, I think where I'm a little bit less hesitant is like that he's hundred. Like the big market thing will be the the primary factor. But I think it's I think it's a fair case that uh, there's reason to for like someone like New York to New Orleans or OKC. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the. I don't think it's the primary factor, but I do think it's like. Yeah, I want to win. But I also would like a different experience of America than racist cities in the Midwest. Um, all right. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Knicks. I, I mean, look, let's talk about the Dame thing because that's the only other thing that exists right now. Um, well, I guess Buddy Heald exists. If you're into the Buddy Heald trademark. And A.N. Uh, DeAndre. I, I was going to ask you, you. You have no interest in A.N., right? No. I, I will. You know, I like will if it's just a mention like, of, in a pick. 
Well, like, so I will say, like, there's the argument for Aiton is that two years ago when they made or so is that so it's like what that's three four years now basically seven years. yeah four score and seven years ago uh three years ago when they when they kind of they made the finals right I remember and I I think you agreed with this or maybe you generally agree with this I don't remember specifically but like I remember thinking to myself like man this guy is like an incredible center and aside from Jokic and Embiid and those guys like he might be the best dude there like his def- he was excelling in all kinds of defensive coverages you know switch drop hedge like what everything he was really really good at all of it you can go back and there's data on and whatever he was fucking great at all of it and the offense wasn't exact i mean when he got drafted there was an idea of like oh this guy can be like a 26 and 12 guy right um it's never quite gone to that level and some of that is about him and some of that is also on the way that phoenix kind of constructed the roster but if you still think that guy is there if you think that guy is there and that he just is unhappy and sad in phoenix and that you can make him you know filled with excitement and glee in new york maybe there is a point to making that trade i just would not I don't, I just, I'm always skeptical of these guys that like, well, why did your effort drop in Phoenix? Why did, why were you sad all of a sudden? Because on you a got contender, mad at you. right? Yeah, on a contender. It's like, why did, what happened there? Like, oh, you got sad about they wouldn't give you the max contract and then your coach wasn't like kissing your ass every five seconds and, and this type of stuff. Like, I, I don't know. And like, Tibbs is Tibbs. Tibbs is like Monty. He's not going to just kiss his ass and, you know, I, I think one of the things he appreciates about the young guys on our team is that for the most part, they don't need him to like constantly big them up and praise them and, you know, oh, like massage their egos. Like they are professionals and they get on with it. I don't know if he'd have the band, like I, I don't know if he'd have a bandwidth for Aiden. And maybe that's a criticism of Tibbs to an extent, but it also is like, is Aiden actually worth that? Like, is he worth the, the coddling and the cajoling to get the best out of him? And let's say you, that would necessitate a coaching change. Is that actually worth it? I don't know. Um, I don't, the evidence recently has not been in his favor, right? So Aiden's, it's, it's really hard. Like, I, I guess the way I'll throw this back at you, do you think the good version of Aiden is that with, like, if we got that version of Aiden, take Mitch out and put that Aiden on this team, does that make the Knicks a better team? Does that make him a contender to you? I think they're already a contender. Um, I do think, you know, if you get some of the, the additional spacing improvised, you know, that might open things up a little bit for Randall. Um, I do think at this moment in time, Mitch is more reliable as a defensive player. Um, but I think Aiden has the ability, especially in Tibbs' scheme, to, to get there. Um, and it's an underrated thing, but it is something that came up in the playoffs. It'd be nice to not, um, to not groan every time. You know, your center gets a bunny and gets fouled, so he has to go to the line. Um, you know, it's it's a small thing. So, so do I think it makes the Knicks better if we get that version of Aiton? Absolutely. Um, I think my reservations is this. And I think the other thing I'll add is, you, unlike an OG and an Obi, you are not giving up the farm, right? You're making a little bit of a one-to-one. You know, you're, you're losing a guy who's been a core piece, but it's a one-to-one replacement. Um, and the value just, like, I was seeing yesterday, it's Nurkic and a young player, I think. I don't even know if Portland's 
if they're asking for a first from Portland. Um, that entire the reporting on that is so weird. Like, oh, the, Lawrence Frank needs a defensive anchor like Nurkic. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Is this like 2017 or something? What Nurkic hasn't played? Well, do you see Nurkic like, also got ranked higher than Mitch in that thing? So yeah, well, I mean, look, he look he's he's a double double guy. You know? <laughs> so is Enos Frito. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's, X. He's, he's a double double guy. You, you can get a double double from a center. That's all that matters. Uh, um, no, I, I, it's it seems like well, this is what my thinking was is like they want so it's like Nurkic and some other piece would have to go out. I don't know if Portland has the capacity to do that with like also balancing a Dame trade. It almost feels like this would be a separate version, but or separate thing. But like, I think the. Nurkic and the Buddy Heald contract together is about equal for Aiton for what he's worth. It might be a little bit more, so maybe Phoenix has to throw in another salary or something. Um, You'd also hear. Sorry, good. Yeah, I was just gonna. I wonder if that's like, you know, maybe that's where it's headed because we do know Phoenix is like. Look, I know that they. Oh, I know they killed the the fucking minimum free agent market. Like nobody's ever killed it before. Uh, but I do think their depth is still very questionable. So, like, you know, if you can get, if you think Nurkic is not a huge drop up from Aiden, which, like, like, even the bad version of Aiden, I think is way better than whatever the fuck Nurkic is nowadays. Um, but, like, if you don't think that's a big drop off and Heald is obviously a tremendous shooter, like, yeah, maybe that's worth it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement, though, that Mitch is far superior to Nurkic, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, in terms of making the Knicks better, so the shortcomings for Mitch are pretty well documented, right? Can't make a shot outside of three feet. Um, Aiton actually took 35% of his shots from three to 10 feet last year, hit him at 53%, um, which is not great for a big, but that's, that's higher than like Brunson, who's known as like really good in that range. Um, he, t- he took 22% of his shots from 10 to 16 feet, hit that at 46%. Again, not nothing crazy. It's not super efficient, but that's a pretty good number. So this is a guy who can shoot a little bit further from the rim. He doesn't. He's not a three point shooter really. Um, he's got the physical tools. He's still only twenty five. Uh, he averaged eighteen and ten last year. You know, say what you want about that. Even a down year, there's clearly a lot of talent there. Um, so I think that there's a strong argument. If all you really have to give up is Mitch and maybe even just a protected first. I think that if you if you're sold on you getting a motivated you know engaged DeAndre in, that's not a bad bet to make. And unlike again, unlike the OG thing, which I think we've both no, said, it, it adds a dimension to your team. team. Yeah, it adds a dimension to your team that you don't have, and it and it doesn't cost a lot, right? Um. So, uh, but I think that I am inclined to, and I I just don't think that these are not the kind of guys that have gone after. I mean, besides maybe Cam, right? If you think, but they, Cam they like they. Profile, and and it also feels like they, I mean, look what happened with Cam, right? Yeah, they were like, uh, yeah. yeah okay, and I don't want to question Cam's work ethic. There was a lot of things going on there, so that's the there's narratives out there, whatever. But what I'm saying is, when there's noise like this around a player, that has not been typically the the, the guys that have been going after him. Guys who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, Divincenzo, Hart. Uh, say what you want about Randall in the playoffs and his sometimes effort waning, but you see the guy in the off season. You see kind of, you know. I don't think he's necessarily in, th- in that category. So talking themselves into like motivating a player, you know, especially someone who's and yeah, you, to your point, Tibbs is not, you know, he, this isn't, you know, maybe if you're, if you're 
Pat Riley or, you know, you, you, you feel like you have a little more confidence in being able to, I don't want to say rehabilitate, but like get those guys back to that level. I don't think those are the bets the Knicks have been making. And so I think that comes with a lot of cost. But if I'm looking just at the player, um, that's an opportunity to maybe make a fairly low risk uh, swing to upgrade your team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the thing for me that I don't, I mean, I, I quite literally don't know how this works. Um, and it's an interesting thing because it's like, so the Knicks were the third best offense in the league last year. Forget the playoffs, right? I'm not, we know that the playoff offense was really good, but they were the third best offense in the league last year by offensive ratings. The strength of that, or a big part of that, was them being a dominant offensive rebounding team. So if you take out Aiton, okay, or sorry, you take out Mitch, replace him with Aiton. Aiton also is a more is a higher usage center than the Knicks have had since Cantor. Yeah, Cantor or Porzingis. Like they've been playing super low usage centers for the last three or four years, basically. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, where, they, where they have a high usage, usage power forward. Right, and so so where is the usage for Aiton coming from? Who's sacrificing? That's RJ. That's probably Randall. I mean, it's probably all of them to some effect, some to some extent. And is that collective downscale in those guys' usage? Plus, you're not going to be as good an offensive rebounding team. Is that worth the trade? What does the trade off look like? Right? Does that actually make you a more efficient offense? I don't know. I think it, it does in the make, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. It, and it, I don't it, think it, it, really, I think he'll be, if, especially if they prioritize the glass, I think he can do give you 75, 80% of what, what you can on the glass. He's better on the offensive glass than I think the def- like his defensive rebounding is really the bigger concern with Aiden to me. Um, he's not been a good defensive rebounder. Now we've seen like Tibbs. And that's probably, by the way, the most underrated part of Mitch's game. I, this is a pet peeve when people are like, He's an average defensive rebounder. He only gets no, three or four a game. It's like you don't really like watch the guy. One, he had they the way their scheme works. He's often responsible for boxing out. In general, it's tough to be a great rim protector and a great defensive and grab a bunch of defensive rebounds because you're contesting shots. He's actually, I think, a really, really underrated defensive rebounder. But that's just an aside. Um. Yeah, it's like so. If you just look at Aiton's defensive rebound numbers individually, they're actually really good. So, and I, I'm just for me when I've watched him, I'm like, I feel like you're not a good defensive rebounder. It feels like he gets bullied at times, and whatever. But maybe that's something to do with their scheme. I mean, they've played non-traditional boards right next to Aiton for basically his entire career. It's been like, I mean, who do they have last year? It was like. It's been like Cam Johnson and Tory Craig, and that's kind of been their a problem spot for them. Is that four position? When they went to the title, who was there for? It was, I mean, it was Paul Booker, Bridges, Cam Johnson didn't start. Yeah, with the bench, eight in. Did they have Tucker? T- Tucker wasn't on that team though. Um, man, if only there was a website where we could look this up, It'd be crazy. Uh, it was. Da, 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 da. 2021. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. So, like, not a traditional four. So maybe if you play him next to Randall, the defensive rebounding thing isn't as much of a problem, right? Maybe that's a less of an issue. Uh, and offensive rebounding, it seems like his offensive rebounding has fallen off the last 
couple of years, that might be a schematic change they made because he was a pretty solid offensive rebounder prior to that. You know, eleven point one offensive rebound percentage as a rookie, thirteen, twelve point four, and then it goes to nine point six and nine point two, which kind of speaks to like the effort stuff to an extent, right? Where it's like, well, are you just not trying? Um, he's obviously a more it, it's so. I guess the, the real question to me with Aiton is like, okay, well, it, it, let's say let's say you are a worse offense in the regular season, but is the added versatility it gives you in the playoffs does that potentially take you to a higher level? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it does, uh, but it's a it's a pretty big risk to take, given that you like one. I think Tibbs Tibbs loves Mitch. We know this. Like he loves him. He. He's like the one guy um, that I feel like he gushes about in a very different way than anybody else. Maybe he would love Aiton. Maybe he would. Maybe Aiton would come to New York and be super happy, and he's trying super hard. And I mean, Tibbs loved, loved the last guy whose name ended with Aiton in, in on the Knicks. So, um, but like, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I I could see it. I could like talk myself into it, but it's a pretty big risk. And it's a guy who's again, like he's had two years in a row where he's not been the guy that he was in that third season in the, in the NBA. I mean, this is a dude who like, it, it's tough because we've seen a level from him where he was on the floor in the NBA finals. And like the Suns won those minutes. They won the minutes that he was on the floor in that series. Um, like he and and Giannis was not as good in those minutes offensively. Like the the numbers bear this out. So he had a tangible impact at the highest level possible, right? In an NBA Finals. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's like I I think I think you know Mitch's struggles in the Miami series have been overblown, but like we don't know for sure that Mitch can operate at the highest levels because we just literally don't know it. We haven't seen it. There's proof of concept with Aiden that he can do it. But it's like, do you believe that the last two years are a blip because he's unhappy or for whatever reason in Phoenix and you can snap him out of it? Or is this like one of these weird dudes whose career peaks early and he's just in a strange decline from this point forward? I, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty big risk to take. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they wouldn't do it. But uh, to your point, it's, you know, if they do their due diligence if they find that there was really something going on in, in Phoenix that um, that was extenuating, it could be a worthwhile um, swing to take, uh, provided the cost is, you know, is is not much more than much. Yeah. Um, that's right. Do you, like, what What do you think of this, uh, the Dame and, and Toronto thing? Like, there's been a lot of smoke about, like, will they, they sure? I haven't heard much about Dame this summer, so I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> Oh, he wants to stay in Portland. That's, that's <laughs> he, he wants to the grind. He doesn't want yeah, to run to the grind. Yeah, he's running to the grind again. Um, no, but like the part of this that interests me is the Scotty Barnes of it all, where it's like he would be in the deal, would he not be in the deal? Toronto won't put him in the deal, or they will. Like I, I would put him in the deal, uh, especially if like it I thought you love Barnes. Yeah, it's my favorite player. He's just so cool. Ever since he dominated Franz Wagner in the Sweet 16. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, tournament performances ever from from Scotty Barnes. Um, I was on the right side of history, though. Franz is better. Eat shit. Um, but, like, 
if it reduces your pick package to something very negligible, I think I would definitely do it because Pascal is better than Barnes. I think there's a chance he'll always be better than Barnes, that Barnes will never reach that level. Um, and if you're getting Dane, you're trying to win now, right? You're not trying to like, I mean, maybe, maybe you are, but you shouldn't be trying to do like the, the dumb warriors, two timelines thing. Like you should be like, no, no, we're trying to win right now. Um, so Pascal would be better for that to me than, than, than Barnes. And I also think like Dane has wanted to play with OG Ananobi. And that's a guy that Portland did look into acquiring last offseason. Obviously, that didn't happen. So, like, I think if they did get Dame, OG is staying there. That's what I think. Um, I'd be really surprised, honestly, if they moved OG in a scenario where they got Dame. So it's like, it kind of feels like at that point, you have to pick between Barnes and Siakam. Because to me... Like, yeah, defensively, those guys would definitely help cover up for Dame. But offensively, that is fucking ass. Like, are you kidding me? Dame, OG, Barnes, Pascal, Jakob Pertl, who has, like, slightly more range than Mitch. Um, that, that It just feels like you're playing clogged toilet offense. Um, it just, I don't know. I mean, Dame obviously helps because Dame will just be like, well, I'm just going to pull up from 30 feet and it'll be fine. Uh, but you're, I, I just feel like you're getting diminishing returns there with Pascal and Barnes. And quite frankly, I just don't think Pascal and Barnes is a viable forward pairing long term. Yeah, I mean, look, do you, do you think Scotty Barnes is going to shoot at any point in his career? No, I don't. Do you? It's, I, I, I'm, you're probably better at this. Like, you actually, you know, watched him as a prospect, all this stuff. Like, I watched him for once in the tournament. And I was like, no, this guy fucking sucks compared to Franz. Um, but, you know, right. my talent ID is just that special. That's all I needed to see. <laughs> uh, I did have Franz. I had him and Franz neck and neck. Um, I, I, can't remember, honestly, I had them like four and five in that draft. Um, I liked both. Um, I think that it's become even more clear, though, that. Um, if you don't have a viable jump shot, it is tough unless you're like a big. Uh, and even for bigs, we're seeing that, right? Uh, I will give him credit. He's improved as a free throw shooter. I've is he never a good had, cutter? Uh, he's solid. I think. He, I mean, he's a really good transition player. I think he'd be fun to, to watch in transition with Dame. You got to worry about him kind of running the floor and Dame being able to pull up on a dime. Um, I think they'd be fun to watch together. But there's a lot of there's a lot he needs to work on in his game, especially playing next to a guy like that and. I, I think he's a couple of seasons away from being a guy who actually draws significant closeouts. Um, I think having another facilitator next to Dame helps. Um, not in love with Siakam's game there. Um, but who's the better player right now? And to your point, yeah, like who's probably, I mean, who's going to give you that? I don't think, uh, I think like if they're really, if Scotty Barnes is the, the reason you say no, that's just Masai being Masai. Or maybe Masai feeling like, Maybe, maybe in fairness, he might feel like, you know, you give me Dame and Siakam, is that a contender? Maybe he doesn't want to, maybe they do want to go the rebuild route. So I think if Scotty Barnes ends up being the sticking point, it is because he's like, look, if I get to keep everything and give you OG and picks and take Dame, I'll do that. Um, and I think the other part of it probably is, you'd say, hey, OG's better than Tyler Hero. Um, and, you know, 
the poo-poo platter that Miami is giving you, why should I have to pay a premium over that? Um, I don't want to give... So we know that he's a tough negotiator, but I think ultimately part of it could be that if you're giving up Barnes, you know, does a core of just Dame and Siakam as your top two, um, you know, with, you know, I mean, they have a couple, they have Trent, you know, they have a couple of pretty solid role players around them. Does that get you to, I, I don't think that's a better team than Boston. Um, and I don't, I, you just still have to deal with Giannis. So I'm not sold. I think they can beat Milwaukee in a playoff series, but I'm not sold on that. Um, that doesn't necessarily make you a contender. And that might not be what, what Masai wants at this point. Um, and especially if he's going to lose, you know, say what you want about Barnes, but people are still pretty high on his long-term potential. He's a really good defense player. He can pass well, um, really good in transition. Um, so I think it's really, to your point, I think this is more about choosing between two timelines. And so I get it where you're saying that, well, um, I think for them, they'd want to have their kick and eat it too and keep Barnes and Siakam. And then once Portland says no, or they say we will trade him to Miami, then it's a decision you have to make in terms of timelines. And my feeling still is that Toronto would probably prefer the kind of development timeline than getting Dame and trying to make it work with Dame and Siakam as your, your top two guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, how sold are you on that as a contender? Like, let's say they did trade Scotty. Do you, I don't think they're the favorites in the East. No, they're not the favorite. I don't even think they're the second favorite. Like, I would still have Boston over them. I'd still have Milwaukee over them. I still think we'd have a really pretty fucking good chance against them. Like, I think our depth would be a lot better than theirs, and we'd still have the ability to. We make can match it. I don't choice. think. It's, I mean, Randall, if he progresses to even something decent in the playoffs, I don't think he's that much worse than certainly on the regular season. Uh, Siakam's a better defender, but by how much? And again. <laughs> The way Brunson has looked in the playoffs, I'm not so sure the gap to Dame is that much at this point. You know, the playoff Dame is just another beast. So maybe I'm overstating things. And, and again, we we, have, we need to see Brunson do it again. But yeah, I think that the Knicks tier, and that's without thinking about the depth and all that. So yeah, and and again, like we would still have all of our picks and everything that we're talking about. We would still have the ability to improve our roster where they wouldn't. So like in this. You know, we spent what like thirty minutes talking about like a, a hypothetical Giannis trade. Like we'd still hypothetically be able to trade for Giannis. We'd still hypothetically be able to trade for Embiid. We could still do uh, an in-season move in the way that we did an in-season move to get Josh Hart, right? Like a move that improves us in a very specific way, right? Like uh, there's still those options available to us which they wouldn't have. So I'd still like prefer our situation at least to theirs. I still think you know if you want to say they have a better, I think they might win more regular season games than us in that in that scenario. So that's potentially there, but like I would definitely favor us in a playoff series um, because I think that we could really expose some of their shortcomings. And, um, you know, we also got to see, look, we're we're suing them. So we'll see if their current coach, Ryakovich is uh, still their, their coach at the time that uh, at the time that, this happens, but like, who knows? I mean, he's a rookie head coach. We don't know what the hell he is or isn't like, he might be good. He might suck for all we know. Uh, so that's something to consider. And then, you know, like Dame has been in Portland his entire career. How does he adapt to a new team? That would take some time. I assume not everybody hits the ground running as soon as they get to a new place. Um, that could be an adjustment. How does Pascal adjust to being like 
oh, I'm not the best guy on the team anymore, so now I have to go back to being the second best guy. It's been a while since he did that. Like, there's all kinds of things that would go on. So I'm not totally sold on how good they would be. They would definitely be better than whatever their current situation is, but they'd still have, like, I mean, they're going to have to give up probably Gary Trent Jr., plus one of those other guys in a, tra- in a Dame trade. There's a lot of kind of moving pieces for them if this were to go down. So it probably is just best to wait and kind of like see how it all shakes out ultimately. But I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Honestly, the only team that gets Dame that I'm like, oh, fuck, that would really suck is Miami. Like, that's it. And and I would have said Boston, but Boston's not going to do it now. So good for us. Um, yeah, so if, if but if you believe that, maybe Masai would believe the same thing. In that case, he's like, say what you want about Barnes. He's their best young prospect, and he's a promising player. Still only 20 years old, um, 6'10". With great no, he's speed. 22 now, isn't he? He's like only a year younger than RJ. He's like, he's fake young. He's 22. He okay, but still, I mean, that's still young, promising prospect. Guy um, averaged 15 and 5 last ancient, year. Ancient. Huh. Uh, really good defender. So, you know, if you're saying I'm going to trade, like, if you're saying this, like, look, I will get, I will trade for Dame if all I got to beat is Tyler Hero and, and Jaime Hakas or, or whatever they're adding. Um, you know, I, I can give you that in terms of picks, and OG is better than any of those guys. Um, you know, do they want to pay OG? I don't know, but you can reroute him somewhere else, right? Um, I will do that. You're going to have to pay Tyler Heroes on, on an extension as well. So it's not like that's a lot cheaper and you're, you're getting not that great a player and, and not as good a player as OG. And OG is still, you know, 26. So it's not like, like by the time you're good, he could be a pretty valuable role player still if he's 29, 30, especially if he continues to improve as a shooter. So I think Masai is probably looking at it as like, if that's what it costs me, then yeah, I'll roll the dice because I still have flexibility. Um, and, um, and so I think it's less of the two timelines thing, and it's more like, look, if this is the price, I'm interested um, from a value perspective. Um, but he also, if he has to pick between the two timelines, I think he will pick kind of the, um, he will just say no. To Dame. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, the interesting for thing for the for reasons me you is just like, laid out, that they're not some slam dunk contender with that. With I Dame. mean, the interesting thing for me would be like, if Pascal goes out, what can you get for him? And how much would that leave if you do trade for Dame? I think that's something to consider. Like, can you get some ancillary pieces and picks for, for Pascal and then leave out the picks plus some of your own shit to, to Portland and, you know, whatever. Like, I, there's a scenario where they could actually end up with a pretty decent team, but I think it's a really hard, it's a tough, uh, needle to thread. So you're so. saying instead of trading Scotty, you move Pascal. For stuff, I think I'd consider it. Dame. And if then, so in, then you have Dame Barnes, and you you've lost Siakam, but now you have more long term flexibility, and you've added Dame. Yes, yeah, that you so Dame, and then you have OG still, Gary Trent Jr., Barnes. Let's say Barnes plays the four. Like it's it that lineup at least anyway feels a little bit more put together than like the alternate scenario where you have to trade Barnes because the the thing with trading Scotty Barnes is like. Forget what you think of him as a player. Just contractually, you have to add more pieces into the mix now because you need to get the number up. And so that necessitates trading out like a Gary Trent Jr., which isn't obviously in isolation a huge deal for Damian Lillard. But when you're talking about what does the roster look like after a Dame trade, something to 
it, it's definitely it should be a consideration anyway. Um, but I think this is a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, you can find me at Stacy Patton eighty nine. Um, nothing to plug. Uh, oh, sorry. Awesome. I do. I will plug. Uh, yeah. Listen to Strictly NFL. Um, Schwinn was on it last week. Um, he, he made a pretty great prediction about the Bills against rookie QBs, as I found out to uh, giving up 31 fantasy points to the Bills defense. Uh, but Strictly NFL is great, and continue to watch uh, to look at all the coverage uh, of the Liberty on the Strickland, uh, the GG, and, and Matt Miranda. Well, you can thank my Buffalo Bills for giving you a uh, sole place, sole, sole, sole hold of uh, first place in the NFC East. Um, no, I have, I, I will plug for the NFL, Constantine and Jeff are doing awesome, awesome work on there. Uh, I really, really hope that continues to build out because those two really know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, and yeah, follow all the Liberty coverage and um, give us, you know, give Gigi and, and Matt and all these people support because they're doing a really good job with that also. Uh, but that is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week and I will see you on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.